Hello and welcome to Building Futures Career Conversations, conversations with leading lights across the built environment. And today I have Jason McKnight from Recom who's with me. Hi, Jason. Hello. So tell me all about the job that you do at the moment. Okay, so I am a director of a company called Recom Solutions. We are predominantly Northwest based, based in Manchester, however we have got national coverage. There are three parts to our business. We do consultancy, which means that we act in a project management quantity surveying type role, where we are probably the, the first name on, on the team sheet. We'll help a client with their, their brief. We'll help them understand the project. We will support with a business case or business plan. Um, we'll ultimately support with the procurement of design teams, main contractors, get a scheme through planning, that's a consultancy side. So you're there from the very, very kind of conception of a project through to completion, so full cradle to grave. Um, we do main contracting as well. So with main contracting, we do lots of fit out works. We do bars, we do restaurants, we do leisure, retail. Uh, and also with that, we have a lot of residential experience within our team. So we're currently live on probably three or four uh, high rise, high, uh, mid to high rise schemes in Manchester. The third part of the business is in passive fire protection. So passive fire protection has become a major theme since Grenfell. However, we've been working in that field for probably the past 10, 12 years um, as individuals, and recon within the past probably five to six years. People are really interested and curious in other people's careers, particularly the careers of people like yourself who are really, really successful. So what I'm interested in is, is if you could explain your career, but also what wisdoms or career hacks that have made you as successful as you are, and would you mind sharing those? Yeah, so if we go back to school and leaving school, I did GCSEs followed by A-levels, as, as most people tend to do. The, the strategy for that wasn't clear. I didn't understand what I, what I wanted to do. I knew I was interested in engineering. I didn't really have the, probably, I, I, thought, I felt I didn't have the skill set in, in maths and physics and the like to go on and, and do an engineering degree. So I gave up maths quite Early, I found that I could get probably eight to nine free periods of free time at school whenever the, the maths stopped, uh, which was good for me. And then I started applying to different universities, all in the field of construction and construction-related degrees. I had a conversation with one of my dad's friends who ran a, a, uh, a house-building company back in Ireland and some of the tier one organizations in the UK were offering different undergraduate opportunities. That meant that you would be sponsored through university. So with a few conversations and applying to different universities, I found that University of Salford was one of the leading construction institutes in the UK for the degree that I wanted to do, which ended up being in construction management. So I applied to do construction management at Salford with the qualification of being a construction manager. So it was very, very clear in the role that I was going to take. The best thing about that degree was it was 
what was then called a thin sandwich, which is six months at university, six months full-time working. I got sponsored by Bovis Lendlease at the time, who became Lendlease, and I got to work on fantastic gargantuan projects um, within the UK, but also further afield. I worked in New York for nearly five months. I got to go and study in Austria as part of the course for a full semester. And the footing that working with a tier one organization like Lendlease gives someone like me at 18, 19 years of age, set my, set my career up for, I suppose, forever. So going into an organization like that, it was really, really telling that they were well-structured, well-organized and give, give a really good kind of starting point for my career. In terms of the, the hacks and the life uh, skills that you, you kind of mentioned there, nothing other than turning up on time, working really hard and being at, at that age, 18, 19, really receptive to what people were telling you, not going in, going in with a chip on your shoulder seeing that some of your peers were actually doing that and, and understanding that right they're rubbing people up the wrong way. There's an opportunity for me to go in and capitalize on them not doing really well or going to take over another package or going and speaking to the right decision makers within in the different construction sites that I was working on and, and really just being uh, a good person, get, get, getting on with everyone and not falling out with anyone and understanding that it's a people industry. Construction is probably 10% technical ability, 90% people management. So after Lend-Lease, I, I got to work across the UK, well, not across the UK, different parts of the UK, mainly Northwest. I ended up uh, working with the MOD in hot, just outside Hull a scheme, scheme called um, Leckenfield. I went to work for a company called AA Projects who were a consultancy. So myself and my business partner, Joe, we had a plan for Recom that we started discussing around 2009, 2010. We, we got asked to go on a, a leadership course in Australia uh, with Lendlease, which was class, it was really, really good. And at that point, we we're like, we can absolutely take advantage of a gap in the market here for a construction professional who has had their boots on the ground, being a construction manager, to go and do consultancy work. So we set Recom up in 2012. That's when we incorporated the business. And in the background, we worked through different accreditations. We looked at our competitors. We looked at what what affiliations of certified bodies we would need to, to have to go in and work within Manchester. That was our focal point. Um, and in doing that, we knew that we needed to diversify. So the diversity came through Joe going to work for a subcontractor, me going to work for a client-side project management consultancy firm. While I was buying architects and design teams, Joe was buying labour doors, nuts, bolts, screws and everything to give us the full advantage of understanding the full spectrum of construction. So to go to any client, any person, we would have that knowledge base that could set us apart from peers, competitors and anyone else within the industry. 
We were very fortunate that in 2015 we had a bit of a right place, right time, and in doing that, I was doing a drawing for for an extension I was doing in my home house. Uh, one of the girls in this cafe that I was working in in, in Manchester was nosy and asked him what, what it was about, and she said, "You don't know anybody that can do a, a fit out upstairs." It was a place called Central Working on Deansgate, and I said, "Yeah, we do. We've got a construction company." And we didn't have a construction company. We had an incorporated a construction co company. And a guy called Steve Petty came from London who ran Central Working. So Steve, who is a good friend of mine and Joe's now, was the MD of Virgin Lounges. But he had got brought, brought co-working, collaborative working into the UK. And he had some... He had some offices down in London. This was the first one in Manchester. And we met him and he bought into us and gave us an opportunity. We didn't know how to fund it. We didn't know what we were going to do. We were very fortunate that we worked with lots of really good supply chain members and built up good relationships within the Northwest. And we spoke to a few of those guys and said, look, we've got an opportunity here. This is going to be the first job as Recom. Can you help us? They went on extended payment terms. We were able to cash flow that. And then at the same time, we got to and pick up another couple of consultancy jobs and that's how we started Recom. So using our network, using the suppliers that we already had through our land these days, through AA projects, through, through Joe working at, at the subcontractor he was at, we had a lot of contacts and we started to then grow our contact list and understand how we would put a roadmap in place to go and do another fit out. So this first fit out was around 500,000 pounds, I think. And then we're like, right, so how do we get to a million? What's next? How do we go and then do consultancy, which is what we, we wanted to do. And we're very fortunate to start working with the University of Manchester. I led the University of Manchester framework for AA projects at the time. And we had got ourselves in a position that we had the right accreditations, we had the right uh, credentials behind us to go and apply to get on their framework. We went through the procurement process and we're very fortunate to get on there. We've been working with the University of Manchester for about five, six years now. Linked to that, we have gone and grown into national frameworks with the NHS through their SBS framework. So we do a lot of consultancy works for them. We decided that we would not bite off more than we can chew at any one point and in doing that, we knew that we would have to grow and expand our team. What I'm hearing from you when I'm listening to you is, first of all, is the importance of relationships. Yeah. And that to me is when you, you know, you said, oh, we were lucky that we got on, you know, that we, we knew this person or, we were, or we, we, we were fortunate to get this. To me, actually, it's a consistent behaviour throughout your career and of your partner, Joe, in that it was clear that you picked that up when you were at university, that actually, as you said, and I think this is true for everybody that's in construction, the built environment, property, engineering. It is a people-led business. And I think those who are successful, to me, the common thread they seem to have is they pick up very, very quickly that it is about how you deal with other people. It is about turning up on time, as you said, but it's also treating people with respect, but also the interactions and that 
even if at that point that person you pass don't cross again for five years, if you've treated them in the, in the right way, if you're open with them, explain what it is you can do to help them and develop that good relationship. Yeah. You never know when it might come back. And that's clearly what it, it feels like. Your story has been continuous building of relationships yeah. with your business partner and, and being honest about what you're trying to achieve. And, and being very diligent in the work that you've been doing as well. So I feel like it, it sounds like the, there's these common threads to me that are sort of coming through your whole career. Yeah, so, so I suppose look, relationships and what we do, it, it's a golden thread. It is the absolute thing that makes or breaks a project, makes or breaks a relationship. We've been historically involved in projects that have been very difficult because of the personnel that, are, that have yeah. been, been within them where you go back to kind of old school construction where you get radios chucked at your head and you have your the the, the kind of shouter or the the table banger and, and everything that kind of comes from archaic management styles. We are I, I said fortunate, lucky. We're probably very experienced in terms of the different types of people that we have been fortunate to, to work to work with to see how not to manage people to see how to destroy relationships it, it, with clients to see how not to get the best out of your team and to understand what drives your team and by your team it, it's everyone from the client to the the end users and, and, and putting a, a proper strategic stakeholder plan in place from the outset of a project that goes with how we attack a tender or how we attack a bid or how we attack a potential new client as well. It's, it's understanding what makes this person tick. It's understanding how to speak in their language. It's understanding what their immediate needs are. Is it finance? Are they on a budget? Is it quality? Is it that they need something very urgently so you know that you, you can go and put a, a robust program in place that works seven days a week, weekends and everything else to get something over the line for them. It sounds like listening to you that the common thread from the outside looking in is that you really understand or you take the time to understand your clients wise. So it's it seems from the outside as if it's never you're never there for the short term relationship, that you're always understanding how this project maybe fits into a longer term plan of the clients. Is, is that why you think perhaps you've been so successful? I, that's probably our thinking now as we sit here today. We're going to interrogate the financial year of trading that starts on the 1st of May. And we've gone through peaks and troughs in the business where I mentioned before about we, we were strategic and we didn't bite off more than we can chew. That's not particularly true. We said yes to everything for a period of time to probably the, the detriment of being too overloaded. And, and I think that's what young, young new businesses do. They do not turn down opportunities. They overload themselves with the, the wants and demands of clients and of projects and everything that comes along with that. So you've mentioned that this is your eight year, eighth year of trading. And it's I know businesses, the only way you can grow is having people at the heart of it. Yeah, yeah. So that comes with, first of all, attracting them in the middle of a global skill shortage, which particularly affects construction yeah. and the built environment. So first of all, you've got to find them. But actually, 
the, the joy and the real growth of a business, as we know, is holding on and retaining that staff. So over those eight years, you say that you've kind of, it sounds like you're really reflecting on all the bits you've learned. What have you learned about, I guess, the onboarding process or, or how, how have you held on to certain members of staff? And because I'm sure there's lots of people who would love to know that. So retention is the most difficult thing to do in a business. Retention and ensuring that your team have got job embeddedness, that they are fulfilled in, in work and that they have got the right level of balance in home life as well. Whenever we recruit, we talk about work-life balance and we say there's no such thing, it's all life. You've got to be happy in your, in your work, you've got to be happy at home. You, you do bring stuff from home into work and vice versa. So to have that balance across our business is something that we've been working really hard on recently. And by recently, I probably mean in, in the last two years, we have not got it right all the time. We have had team members leave us whenever we have not onboarded properly, whenever we have not understood their needs to the business and the actual business needs for them being part of the team as well. I think it's probably the most important part of my job. I have been looking into different ways of retention, different onboarding strategies, and I've been putting up probably a plan together for the past 12 to 18 months for an enhanced onboarding. That enhanced onboarding links to how you start day one with a new starter, for example. And that day one starts on acceptance. It's not the first day in the office. It's how that perception of somebody new coming into your team is received by somebody externally and their, their pre-existing conditions of previous businesses and how they have either been really good, really poor or indifferent. You want that day one to be, right, I'm here. I've got absolutely everything. and. People are, people are funny, people are people. So not having a laptop, incorrect surname spellings, these things are so important and critical and give the, the best impressions about how you can retain a team member. So day one, somebody comes in into the office, you gotta be prepared. But prior to that, everything's there, they have a call from their line manager, roles, responsibilities are really developed. And in, in doing that, you've got a really, really good recipe for success. Our team members have undertaken recently staff surveys. So we, I've, I've worked with other SMEs in the UK. I've met with Timpsons, who are renowned oh. for bringing... I love uh, what they do. Yeah, so I think it's incredible. Yeah. And their employee value proposition is what it should be, which is crystal clear exactly. how they treat their staff very differently, differently to most other employers. I think it's one of the best employer value propositions I've ever seen. Yes. It's incredible. So I talk about luck and we... We created the, I say we created, we project managed the Timpson University in Withenshaw, which is their training academy for all new new starters. So we worked with James and his team to go and develop that, got that through planning and um, managed the, the build process on that. So with that, we got to meet some really interesting people. I luckily interviewed um, 
some people from Timpsons and got to understand their values, how they approach onboarding, how they approach retention, and their employee survey is every once a year. They ask one question, are you happy? Rate your happiness from not to 10. And with that, there is lots of data that is gathered because I think they're at 5,000 employees, something similar to that with the, the different yeah. entities that they own. So taking on board that plus different people who are more experienced than me in this, um, I've formulated a bit of a, a strategy to go and onboard and retain team, team members. That has recently started to roll out and that, as I mentioned before, is at the forefront of, of our business. We have got links with universities, we've got links with local charities, we work with the Broughton Trust, so we brought through uh, young people who may not get the opportunity to go and work in either professional service or through our fire stopping team. We're up, trying to upskill lots of people in that way. We're linked in with Salford Lads and Girls Club in Manchester and we are proactively looking to upskill 18, 19 year olds with the view that it's good to do that. It's good to it's good to start at that age. I, th I think the biggest thing for us, and I guess this is my the final question I've got, is how do we do that? How do yeah. we attract, make this industry more attractive to young people making yeah. decisions? Because you talked earlier about you know your own journey, why you chose to do it, um, and actually you know it sounds like that. I mean, I was listening to what you were saying about the University of Salford and that particular you know course that you did, and how incredible that sounded. Yeah. So, but how do we make everyone feel that, that this would be an industry that actually is welcoming for everybody? Yeah. How do we, you know, people that have, are interested in, in, in sort of, I guess, STEM or particularly interested in anything to yeah. do with design or, or practical side, how do we get them to come this way? We don't want them to go over and work in technology or the life sciences or pharma. We want you to come over here. Yeah. So how do we do that? It, it, it's got to be our, our links in, in regions. It's got to be linking in with colleges, with schools, uh, and starting there, really. So 18, 19 is too old. We need to be going on at 15, 16 and starting career path presentations. I've been very fortunate to be involved in those many years ago, but we are starting to, to do that ourselves now. So we're linked back in with Salford University. Plus, we have linked in with other universities in Manchester and we have started to work with the colleges now as well. So it's the it, it's selling the story that construction is diverse. There's extremely there's extreme jobs there that you do not understand. It's not about the the kind of builders there with uh, jeans halfway down them. It's not about uh, a man in a suit with a clipboard on a, on, a, on a site. It's not that, it's, there is a role for everyone in construction. So Jason, thank you so much for coming in today. I think for me, the, the, the kind of, the thread that's come through all of this to me is, first of all, the importance of relationships. That I think has been so clear in terms of the success you've had both individually and also in your business. 
I think also the thread of continuous learning. It's very clear that you're constantly seeking out, you know, the way you were describing your onboarding. I was listening to it thinking that's a really good onboarding strategy, but also thinking you, you know, you kept reflecting back saying, well, I want to pick that up or I'm not quite happy with that. Or some of the people that, that work for us didn't have that, but I want them, I want new people to be having that. And I think that constant, almost goal setting, reflecting, changing, adapting, you know, we work in an industry that we need to, but it's, it's, it's really interesting to see how as an organization, organization and as an employer, you continue to do that. I think finally, just on that last bit around about onboarding, it was so refreshing actually to hear an employer really seeing that it is that retention of staff starts on day one. And it was very clear to me that you are obviously very inclusive in the way that you believe more people should come into the industry, but also then retention of that person starts on the first day. In fact, what it sounded like you were saying was, it started before they, they start. It's the conversation with the line manager. It's making sure that their name is spelt correctly. It's making yeah. sure their laptop is there. I think knowing and understanding that, that you retain someone from the day they start, not when they've been there for a, a year or six months, you start to worry, I suspect is the reason that your business has been so successful, I would say. So thank you again for coming in today. And thank you all for listening. You can go and watch further episodes of Building Futures Career Conversations on our Hayes YouTube channel. And also you can follow us on LinkedIn.